Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionists and dietitians from Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We explain the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned for practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through real food nutrition. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We're a company providing life-changing nutrition education and nutrition counseling. I'm Cassie Wienis, registered and licensed dietitian. I'm in studio this morning with my colleague, Cara Carper, who's a licensed nutritionist. We are both so pleased to be hosting today's show because we have a special guest. We have with us today, joining us by phone, the author of Nourishing Fats, Why We Need Animal Fats for Health and Happiness. Good morning. And listeners, I just want to refresh your memories regarding some of our special guest books, Sally Fallon Morrell. She has authored the books Nourishing Broth. Well, first of all, Nourishing Traditions is the one that she co-authored with Mary Innig. Some other books are Nourishing Broth, The Nourishing Traditions Book of Baby and Child Care, the Nourishing Traditions Cookbook for Children, and the popular Eat Fat, Lose Fat. Sally fallon Morrell is also the founding president of the Weston A. Price Foundation. She's a very busy lady. She's making a huge difference in the world of nutrition. We're really pleased to have her on today. Yes, absolutely. And it is our pleasure to welcome our special guest, Sally fallon Morrell, to Dishing Up Nutrition. Oh, thank you for having me. <clears throat> I'm happy to be here. You are welcome. Um, Sally, you have put together an amazing book called Nourishing Fats, Why We Need Animal Fats for Health and Happiness. You know, as I was reading the book, personally, I found it very noteworthy that you are stating over and over how we need animal fats to stay healthy because back a couple decades ago now, when I was in dietetic school in college, all that was taught about animal fats was to avoid them. Our textbooks basically said animal fats caused heart disease. And sadly, we still have clients today at Nutritional Weight and Wellness who are afraid to use butter or afraid to eat a steak because that message is still in the media today. We still read it in newspaper articles. Some of the medical professionals are still speaking this message. But as you point out in your book, this message is not supported by accurate research. That's right. It was never supported by research. It was actually a marketing ploy by the vegetable oil industry uh, going back over a 100 years. Uh, and the idea was to demonize the competition to make people feel guilty about eating butter and to think it was sort of um, vulgar to eat lard, <clears throat> excuse me, to use lard. And that persists uh, even today. You know, and Sally, speaking of, you know, research today, can you just talk about why we need animal fats and particularly to prevent yeah. heart disease? You know, there's such a history about heart disease and how the incidences have increased when people switched away from animal fats like butter, lard, eggs and cream, and they switched to eating corn oil, margarine, soybean and cottonseed oil. 
And spreads. I always like to include the spreads. The vegetable spreads, yeah. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> well, um, when, if you go back to the early 1900s, we had very little heart disease in this country, and most people uh, ate, used animal fats. Most of the fats that were being used were animal fats. And then as the vegetable oils came in, uh, these heart disease began to grow, go up, and people noticed the connection. They said, look, we've got these new things called vegetable oils, and especially the partially hydrogenated or hardened vegetable oils used to make Crisco and margarine. And we think we need to look at this because, you know, the trends are the same. They're going in the same direction. So uh, the vegetable oil industry really got on their <laughs> marketing horse, so to speak, and they started to blame heart disease on cholesterol and saturated fat, which are key components of animal fats, but they're not in the vegetable oils. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are a number of reasons why the animal fats actually protect you against heart disease. One is that they're stable. They don't create oxidation, and it's the oxidized cholesterol in your blood that starts to build up a plaque in the arteries. It's one of the factors. But more importantly, and this is always what I stress, the vitamins that you get from animal fats and that you can get nowhere else actually protect your arteries and your heart. They help your heart, which is a muscle, to work properly. And the fat-soluble vitamins, especially vitamin K, prevents the buildup of calcium in the arteries, and it's the calcium that makes the arteries hard that gives you hardening Mm -hmm. of the arteries. So the vitamin K protects against calcium hardening the arteries. Right. Vitamin K puts calcium where it belongs, Mm -hmm. into the bones and the teeth Mm -hmm. to keep them hard, and prevents the calcium from going where it doesn't belong, which is the soft Mm -hmm. tissues like the arteries. But what you're saying is we have to get vitamin K from an animal source. We do, and best sources are um, bird fat, you know, chicken fat, goose fat, duck fat. Lard is a great source of vitamin K, butter, egg yolks, <laughs> cream, whole milk, so, and cheese. Cheese is another wonderful source of vitamin K. Mm-hmm. So all of these foods that we're being told not to eat are actually foods that can protect us against heart disease. Mm, right. Thinking of all those wonderful foods you just mentioned, and in reading your book, too, it really made me think back to those delicious foods that my grandmother would have grown up on as a young child. Yes, she's yes. she's going to turn 97 in a couple weeks. <laughs> Still a, a sharp mind, a great memory. She grew up on those wonderful foods. She, and I hear stories like that all yeah, the time. Yeah, they yes. made their biscuits with lard. They cooked yes. in lard. Americans ate. Uh, five or six times more butter in those days than they do today. So uh, these are the kinds of fats that build strong bodies and keep us healthy all our lives. Yep, yep. And how lucky her generation was to have had that foundation of those foods. But I know, you know, my grandma never switched away from butter. I know that she was a farm lady and, and loved a lot of those real foods, but she did switch to using Crisco when she became a mom. I think partly because it was it was marketed as being a cleaner product, partly because she was told it was a better, healthier choice. I would love it if you would enlighten our listeners on how Crisco was created and how Procter & Gamble really made it so popular. Yes, but you know, your story is exactly the same as mine. My mother never switched away from butter. We always had butter. I'm very grateful for that. Yes. But she used Crisco... And I think they, because they created this 
impression that it was vulgar to use lard. Mm-hmm. And all the advertisements stressed that if you use lard, your house would smell funny and it was dirtier. And they even said that your children would grow up with better characters if you <laughs> use Crisco instead of lard. So they knew how to punch all the buttons of the up-and-coming middle-class American housewife. They, I mean, they did right. it uh, very skillfully. So Crisco was developed um, mainly by Procter & Gamble. They were candle and soap makers back in the 1800s. And what they did was figure out how to get the oil out of cotton seeds. So the, mm-hmm. the seeds were a waste product, so they could get them for practically free. And they, they had the new stainless steel press. They could get the oil out. When that oil comes out of any seed, whether it's a soybean, corn, or whatever, it's this awful, smelly, black gunk. And they figured out how to clean it up, and then they figured out how to take this oil and harden it by this process called hydrogenation or partial hydrogenation. So they could use it in soap and candles. Well, electricity came along in the late 1800s, and there was less and less demand for can- candles. Right. So they said, well, what are we going to do with this stuff? And <laughs> Let's they said, eat well, it. <laughs> yeah, why don't we just uh, uh, tell people that they can eat it? And the early advertisements show these people in white coats, clean white coats, you know, that they were scientists, and they figured out how to create this wonderful product, and it was going to be more digestible, cleaner, and and you would be a more modern uh, person. And they actually implied that you'd be more prosperous and you'd be prouder of your children if wow. you used the Crisco instead of the lard. And the early targets were all the South, the frying of foods in the South, but also the Jewish community because they said you can use Crisco and or margarine and you don't have to worry about your kosher laws. Right. Yeah. Because you're, <laughs> you're I eating find candles. That story so <laughs> right. interesting. So, and maddening and, yes. you know, and I was, head shaking. I know. Cassie and I were both shaking our head like, oh, no, when we right. read that chapter. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, we are going to come back and get back into this discussion, but we have to take a quick commercial break. Sally, you'll stay with us, right? Yes, yes I'm on the phone. Wonderful. <laughs> okay. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. As you have noticed, we have the great pleasure of interviewing Sally Fallon Morell about her newest book, Nourishing Fats, Why We Need Animal Fats for Health and Happiness. If you have questions for Sally this morning, you can call the studio at 651-641-1071, and we'll be back on the other side of this break. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. As you all know, there are celebrations and holidays over the next three months that you really need to be mindful of ahead of time so that you can avoid all of the sugary treats that are just waiting to sabotage your weight loss and your health goals. So right around the corner, we have first Halloween candy, then of course the Thanksgiving pies, and then there are Hanukkah and Christmas cookies. So to stay on an eating plan and feel good, many of our clients find that taking the Nutrition for Weight Loss program gives them the support they need and helps them to reaffirm their commitment to their health and weight loss goals. Classes start the week of October 30th. You can sign up by October 21st and you would qualify to save $50 with our early bird special. And you can just call 651-699-3438. You can sign up today. Also, you can use this discount for our online Nutrition for Weight Loss program. 
Really handy that we have those online classes, both for our out of the area, out of state, out of country clients. But sometimes you're just really busy and you feel like you can't make it to right. location it's every week option. to take nutrition for weight loss. So that online yeah. one is nice. Um, Cara, we, Cara and Sally, we have a caller and I oh, want to okay. take her, but I also want to say um, that it is best to call during breaks because then we can get more callers in the queue. We can only have so many callers coming in at once here. So um, just something to keep in mind. If you have a question for Sally, it will work best to call during our break times. We have Tina on line one. Tina, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Hi. Hello. You have a question for Sally? Well, I've been kind of doing the ketogenic type good animal fat diet, and I dropped my triglycerides from 181 to 71. Wow. Within three months. Good for you. But then I watched a documentary, and it, they showed, they were saying things like animal fats were bad, and they caused all these diseases, and to be more vegan, and it kind of psychologically, I know we're brainwashed, but it freaks us out. How do we know that we're actually doing the right things with, you know what I mean? Yes. What a great question. That is a great question. Sally, do you... Want to take that? Well, it is. I mean, you are surrounded by misinformation on all sides. And how do you know I'm telling the truth and uh, somebody else isn't? And I would suggest, first of all, you read the book. Yes, what I was going to say. I I do uh, have a chapter. Well, let's put it this way. They started out blaming heart disease on animal fats. But then it got to be all diseases were blamed on animal fats, and really for no no reasons that they could give. It's just you know animal fats are the whipping boy, and I have a chapter where I go through things like kidney disease, um, high blood pressure, um, cancer, um, and so forth, and how all of these organizations that <clears throat> you know say that they're supporting uh, kidney patients or cancer patients, uh, promote the same diet. It's low animal fat, uh, more vegetable oils, more plant-based, and but with really no science behind it. And just to give you one example, the kidneys. The kidneys require um, um, palmitic acid. There's a process called palmitolation that the kidneys use to work. And palmitic acid you get from mainly animal fats. It's one of the saturated fats in animal fats. And I'm convinced that this great epidemic of kidney disease that we have is is due partially uh, to the fact that uh, we are not using enough saturated animal fats. In fact, I talk about a study, a recent study, where they found that they could reverse kidney disease by giving saturated fat. Hmm. This was in animals. But um, so this is just, uh, it's, you know, it's like a religion, it's like a dogma, mm-hmm. and there really is no science behind this idea that we should avoid saturated fats. And I talk about how much, how many, your body needs a lot of saturated fat, and if you don't eat saturated fat, it has a backup plan, which is to make saturated fats out of carbohydrates. And if you are not getting enough saturated fat in your diet, you will crave carbohydrates, especially the simple carbohydrates. And I'm sure that... 
uh, Cassie and Cara working with oh, weight mm-hmm. loss. You've seen you've seen this all yes. the time. Yeah, yep. people have incredible cravings for processed carbs and sugars, mm-hmm. and you know they come into our office and they've been following a low fat or fat free diet, Absolutely. or or maybe a little bit of olive oil here and there, but you right. know avoiding butter and meat and things like that. You know, and yeah. I think something that might help Tina too. You know, because you think, well, where are all these messages coming from? Sally, you could speak to the question: Who has benefited, yeah, from the ongoing campaign against these animal fats? The entire food industry benefits from the anti-saturated fat, anti-animal fat campaign. Right. Starting with the vegetable oil industry, because these oils are very cheap, and the then they sell them to the makers of chips and cookies and so forth, and so they can make a lot more profit on their food if they use vegetable oils. Um, the um, the even a dairy industry profits from yep. this because what they do is they take the fat out of the milk. They and and I like to point out that butter fat is the fat in nature for growth for all animals. It's in all mammalian milk. It, it can't be bad for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there for a reason. And we're giving skim milk, low fat milk, to our school children who need this animal fat very very desperately. And instead, they figured out that they can make more profit putting this fat into ice cream. Oh. So, uh, you, in fact, you'll he- so somebody is on this low-fat diet all day long, and by 9 o'clock at night, they're absolutely starving for saturated fats. And they go to the freezer, and they pull out a half a gallon of ice mm-hmm. cream and eat the whole right. thing. And right. one, you know, standing up at the freezer. So Don't you well, refer to that as the puritanical diet, going to the pornographic diet? Well, yes, I say <laughs> people stay on the puritanical foods, and then they are so desperate and so hungry that they start eating the pornographic mm-hmm. foods. And there's got to be something in between, and there is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, chicken with crispy skin and uh, sourdough bread with butter and all yes. these wonderful things, mm-hmm. eggs and bacon. These are the true health foods and the way we used to eat, and America was a healthy nation when we ate those kinds of foods. Right. Tina, I hope that's helpful, and I really would, just having read the book myself, I really would encourage you to to get a copy because Sally gives you the research. I mean, you can't read this book and, and not walk away understanding why we absolutely need animal fats based on good science. Well, what Sally said really rang true. I because I watched that documentary, I stopped with the big, you know, on my avocados and all my fats for two weeks. And my cravings have hit me like a Mack truck. And when I was eating those full fats, I was not having cravings. Mm-hmm. So, right. wow, that really does hit home. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, we our bodies just need fats because they're satiating and they stabilize our blood sugar as well as all the health benefits that Sally has been referring to. Right. right. And, and animal fats, um, as everybody knows, they are, they are the source of cholesterol. That's where we get cholesterol from animal fats. And what people don't realize is that we make so many hormones out of cholesterol. We make estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, DHEA, all that is made out of cholesterol. Um, <clears throat> sleep hormones are made out of cholesterol, but also the hormones that we use to regulate blood sugar, blood pressure, to detoxify, to deal with stress, to heal. These are all made out of cholesterol, and we can't make them without vitamin A, which we get from animal fats. And the industrial fats and oils interfere with the 
production of these hormones out of cholesterol. Right. And we're going to come back on the other side of break and continue this conversation. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Before we break, I want to read an intriguing and a very insightful paragraph from Why We Need Animal Fats for Health and Happiness. Here's what Sally wrote. High levels of cholesterol in the blood provide protection against mental decline. A 2005 Swedish study analyzed data from 392 men and women in Gothenburg, Sweden, over an 18-year period. Researchers found that high blood cholesterol at the ages of 70, 75, and 79 was associated with a reduced risk of dementia between the ages of 79 and 88. American researchers also found that in the elderly, the best memory function was observed in those with the highest levels of blood cholesterol. Low cholesterol, on the other hand, was associated with an increased risk for depression and even death. Very interesting research information. I'm sure new information for a lot of our listeners. And if you have questions for us today, the number is 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'd like to share some information about a really important conference that's coming up. It's November 10th through the 13th. It's right here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's the 18th annual conference of the Weston A. Price Foundation, and it's called Taking Our Health to New Heights. There will be many well-known speakers for you to choose from, including Chris Masterjohn. I'm a big fan of his. He's an expert on fat-soluble vitamins. There's Dr. Tom Cohen, a holistic physician and co-author of the Nourishing Traditions book of baby and child care. And then, of course, our special guest that we have on air today, Sally fallon Morell, author, speaker, and founding president of the Weston A. Price Foundation. I mean, it's just going to be an amazing, amazing conference. I was just looking at the lineup online again last night, and I'd love to go all days. I just don't have childcare <laughs> all days, but I'm going to be there a couple of days. And what I like about this conference is there's something for everyone. We have the latest new information on nutrition, which is you know more of the science of science, but we also have practical classes on cooking, food preparation, uh, farming, and gardening. And my own seminar, which is an introduction to the principles of traditional diets. Yes. Wonderful. I did see that. I'm, I'm really looking forward to attending. I don't know how many days, but as much as possible. <laughs> It'll be great to see you there. <laughs> yes. Yes. We will come up and get your autograph. Right. Person. Oh, autograph, we should bring no. our book. Yes. Oh. <laughs> okay. So, you know, Cassie, we were kind of talking on break, but about clients that we have. And we often have clients that will go to Europe. They go to France, for example, they really, um, they love that they're eating saturated fats, butter, eggs, cheese, cream, liver, meat, and rich pâtés. So to their surprise and delight, they often will lose weight, Mm -hmm. um, which of course, that's a goal for a lot of Americans. But, you know, aside from weight, Sally, can you just talk about the rate of coronary heart disease in France, how that compares to the United States? You know, uh, when- yes, this is, this is actually called the French paradox because the rates of heart disease are very low in France, even though people eat all of these rich animal foods and they have high levels of cholesterol in the blood. But the rate of heart disease, heart attack, is low. At least it was until recently because the French have kind of succumbed to this mm. propaganda also. But when you look at the statistics, it's not just France, uh, Aust- Aust- Austria, 
uh, Finland, Switzerland, there's about six countries in Europe that have very high levels of saturated fat consumption and low rates of heart disease. So there's many paradoxes here. And the same study found that countries with the lowest rates of saturated fat consumption tend to have high rates of heart Mm -hmm. disease. And so that brings us to the United States, of course. And, you know, a lot of times, again, going back to our, our clients, they will go to their doctor for a checkup and they're told that their cholesterol is too high and they should go on a statin to lower their cholesterol. But, you know, you have, Sally, you referred to an article that was published in the journal's Expert Review in Clinical Pharmacology 2015 and stated that statins may lower cholesterol numbers but not reduce heart disease. Right, and it talks about all the things that statins do. They lower a a compound called coenzyme Q10, CoQ10, which is needed for your muscles to work, and they also lower the um, absorption of K2 and also vitamin A. They don't mention that in this article, Mm. which we need to protect our arteries. And so basically they're saying the epidemic of heart failure and atherosclerosis that plagues the modern world may paradoxically be aggravated by the pervasive use of statin drugs. In other words, they're saying the statin drugs make this worse and make your tendency to heart disease worse. And other people have tried to figure out, if you take a statin drug, let's say you take a statin drug for 10 years with all of the side effects, including muscle weakness, uh, trembling of the hands, Parkinson's-like symptoms, Symptoms, uh, you know, memory loss, all of these things, how much longer would you live? And the answer is two or three days. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Two or three days. And that's, and you know, the people who get statins are handpicked. They're the people who can afford them, who have health insurance and so forth. And they're being compared to the people who are, tend to be a lot uh, poorer and, you know, eating more junk foods probably, um, and still you only have this three or four days of extra life. Wow. Oh, my goodness. You know, this, um, I was sharing with Kara in the break room before the show went on that my mom over the past year has really been pushed and pushed to start on a statin. And I, she's got me on the other side telling her no. But, you know, she's of that generation that what the doctor says yes, is would- is what you do. This would be a great book for everybody out there like my mom that's trying to wrap their head around why is this wrong. Um, And on that note, Sally, we had somebody call during the break that didn't want to go on air but wanted to know where can they purchase your book. Do you want to let everybody know? Oh, okay. Nourishing Fats, it's on online booksellers, and it's in bookstores as well. Bookstores, if they don't have it, they can order it for you. Perfect. Perfect. You know... um, that generation, and it was the same with my parents, and they were on statins, and I could not change their minds. They had so much respect for doctors. But what they don't realize is that the medical profession in the last 20, 30 years has been really corrupted by the pharmaceutical industry. And especially if a doctor is in a practice, uh, they their bonus is predicated on writing a certain number of prescriptions for statins, Mm -hmm. and not just their bonus, but the bonus for the whole practice. So there's a tremendous pressure for them to put pretty much all of their patients Mm -hmm. on statins, whether they need them or not. And I think one really important fact to know, and this has been corroborated in numerous studies, for women of any age, the higher your cholesterol, the longer you live. 
And for men over the age of 60, the higher your cholesterol, the longer you live. So there, there really is absolutely no reason to, to go on these drugs. The higher the cholesterol, the longer, longer that you live. Such an important message yes, because... I hope everybody heard that. I hope so, too, because don't you see that, Cara, that... Um, People think the lower the better. Mm-hmm. The lower the better, and you know the uh, the average cholesterol in the United States is about two forty. Well, they've made the cutoff point two hundred. If you have cholesterol under two hundred, oh, over two hundred, you're at risk for heart disease, and you should get a statin. So that makes millions of healthy people they turn into patients right away. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But what they're finding is that people can be on statins or have very low cholesterol and still have a heart heart attack. And then they say, well, obviously your cholesterol is not low enough. So even though your cholesterol is very low, they put you on a statin anyway. And people need to know that low cholesterol is a marker for cancer. It is a risk factor for cancer. Mm -hmm. And frankly, I mean, I don't think this is the choice I'm making, but frankly, I would rather go with a quick heart attack than a long struggle with cancer. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, we've talked quite a bit about the saturated fats now and, and the cholesterol and and great topic. All of it's covered pretty extensively in chapters about one through four of your book. But I want to jump ahead a little bit in the book, Nourishing Fats, Why We Need Animal Fats for Health and Happiness. Chapter eight is one of my favorites. It's called Remember the Little Ones, Why Children Need Animal Fats. I would love it if you could, we're going to go to break in a couple of minutes, but if you could even just start to talk about, you know, you talked about vitamin A earlier in the show and why adults need it, but why do we need vitamin A for that growing baby, for fetal development? Yes, vitamin A directs the stem cells, tells them how to differentiate, to become the cells of all the organs and bones and everything in your body. And you need, the moms need a lot of vitamin A for this process of fetal development to go normally. And that's why traditional cultures uh, built up their nutritional stores. They ate foods like liver and egg yolks and fish eggs and foods really rich in vitamin A six months before conception. And they prepared, they built up their nutritional stores so that at the moment of conception, you had plenty of vitamin A to direct this process of fetal development. And, and this, is, this is corroborated by lots and lots of studies. For example, the vitamin A status of the mother will determine how many kidney cells the baby has. The more vitamin A, the more kidney cells, the more kidney cells, the healthier the kidney will be for, for life, not just when the baby's born, but for life. Right. And I don't think we're, I mean, you know, my doctor told me, take your folic acid, folic maybe acid. some DHA. Yeah. Um, people are not talking about the importance of vitamin A during fetal development. No, and I want to come back to this topic because this is an important topic. But we, we will take our final break here. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. And before we break, I want to say to all of our listeners, whether you're listening to our live show this morning or whether you're listening to our podcast as you're driving or exercising, we just want to give you a big thank you. And for our podcast listeners, we want to invite you to write a review on iTunes. We welcome and really appreciate your comments and suggestions. Remember, we are just a small, locally owned company, but our goal is to make a big difference in the health and well-being of people everywhere by teaching the power of eating real food. So again, thank you for listening and for sharing Dishing Up Nutrition with your family and friends. 
Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Many of us from Nutritional Weight and Wellness are going to be attending the Weston A. Price Foundation's 18th Annual Conference in November. If you want more information about the conference, you can just go to wisetradition.org. And if you'd like to purchase Sally's newest book, Nourishing Fats, Why We Need Animal Fats for Health and Happiness, they're going to be available at the conference, but also in, you know, I, we had already mentioned this, but they're, the books are available in most bookstores and through online booksellers. You know, it's just a remarkable book, and I'm planning to bring it to my nutrition classes that I'm teaching, and I would love to have one in our office for while we're doing individual consulting so that we can have access to quickly look up research if someone has a question. Sally already did all the work for us. <laughs> it's a great book. It's one of those books that you keep. You don't borrow out because you can always go back to a chapter here and there to yeah. remind yourself or, or look something up. And, and by the way, that conference is uh, wisetraditions.org. Uh, it goes right to our conference page. Okay, Wise Traditions, Traditions with, with an, an S. S. Yes. Oh, Perfect. sorry about that. Wise Traditions with an S.org. Thank you for clarifying that. Okay. So before break, we were talking about vitamin A, how important that is. Well, I mean, at all stages in life, but it's something that I don't think pregnant moms or moms to be are told are the importance of vitamin A during before pregnancy. And during fetal and during, development yeah. and yeah. breastfeeding. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and as the child grows, in fact, moms are told that vitamin A will cause birth defects. Right. You do, you're told, told not to get too much, aren't you? Well, they're told, even told not to eat liver. And, you know, 100 or 50 years ago, moms were specifically told to eat liver when they were pregnant. Mm. And this is really a shame because the, there's only one study that indicates there might be a problem with birth defects, but it contradicts all the other studies that show that vitamin A protects against birth defects. And I actually just came across a study a couple days ago which showed that if you get your vitamin A from food, like liver, uh, egg yolks, butter, and so forth, that it has actually even, there's even less of a problem with the vitamin A from food. Wow. Vitamin A needs to be supported by vitamin D and K. They all need to be together in the diet, and this is why we don't like, recommend just taking the isolated vitamins. Mm-hmm. But you know, even 15, 20 years ago, the prenatal vitamin contained vitamin A. And today it does not. They've taken hmm. it out. So it's really a shame because we're seeing the birth, rate of birth defects go up. We're seeing a premature birth go up, the rate of miscarriage go up, and the number of uh, heart defects is, is rising, for example. And a lot of this has to do with the really poor advice that pregnant women or women who want to get pregnant are getting mm-hmm. from the medical profession. And I was even given that advice, you know, don't take too much vitamin A. And so, but could you please clarify too, there's different forms of vitamin A. I think there's a, a big misconception that people get enough vitamin A from plant foods, from from eating carrots and spinach. Right. So what's in the plant foods are the carotenes, and these are converted to vitamin A in the small intestine. By some people, uh, but about 50% of all women actually cannot do this at all. And the process of converting the carotenes to vitamin A is interfered with by a lot of conditions such as thyroid disease, hmm. liver disease. If you are exposed to pesticides or chemicals, that will interfere with this conversion. And I, I like to think of the animals like the cow, 
eating green grass all day long. The cow is a step-up transformer for us, transforms the carotenes in green grass into vitamin A, and, and we need to honor what the cow is doing for us and get the true vitamin A from the butter and the cream and from the, the liver. And egg yolks also, you said? Egg, egg yolks are okay. a wonderful source, especially if these chickens are outside. Mm-hmm. So animals are our multivitamins, huh? Animals I mean, that, are our multivitamins. That's, that's the picture I'm getting. Say, we have a caller on line one I'd like to take. I'm sure she has a question for you, Sally. Luann, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Did you have a question for Sally? I did. Thank you for taking my question. You're welcome. So I've been following nutritional weight and wellness diet for a long time. Hi, Cassie. I saw you a couple times. Oh, hi. Um, hi. <laughs> But um, I recently went to a lecture on the Blue Zones, um, the, pe- the places around the world where people live. Um, they have great longevity. They have tremendous mental sharpness and really vibrant physical health. And they are largely eating a plant-based diet. I mean, there's other factors. You know, they have a great family and community life. They have a purpose. They move naturally rather than, you know, like going to a gym. So they have a lot going for them. But their diets are largely plant-based, like they eat meat three times a year, fish less than three times a week. I just wonder if you've heard of this. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, not the first time you've been asked this one, Sally, but a great question. I just wrote a series of blogs at my blog, nourishingtraditions.com, about the Blue Zones. And the idea uh, that these long-lived people are eating more plant foods is totally wrong. It's, I have to say that it's a lie. The studies have shown that the people who live longer are eating more animal protein, more animal fat. And actually, when you read the book, The Blue Zones, he describes how they're eating, uh, cooking in lard and eating beef and his conclusions are completely different from his actual descriptions of about how people eat. This is one of these examples of how something has been taken and twisted and um, misrepresented so that people think they should be eating a plant-based diet. Um, so I urge you to go on my blog, nourishingtraditions.com, and, and read my blogs about the blue zones. And every single one of these blue zones has had a study done about it, and these studies show that the ones eating more animal foods are living longer. All right. How timely. <laughs> yes, yes. But thank you, Luann. That really was a great question because you've got to know there are other listeners out there wondering the same thing. And, and, and it's the same with the China study. People say, oh, what about the China study? I have. I probably am one of the few people in the world who's actually looked at the China study. I went to the library and got the publication of the China study, which is this really big book that's and it's very hard to copy. But I copied the the data that they got, and at the time, uh, Colin Campbell was saying, "Oh, we found that the people who were eating animal uh, more plant foods had less disease." That is not what the data showed. The data did not show any difference in disease from people eating more or less animal foods. And actually, it was a very bad study. It was poorly designed. There were too many variables in the study to to come to any conclusions. But certainly, the data did not show that people eating more plant foods were healthier or living longer or anything. But again, the China study is used to, like the Blue Zones, it's being falsely used to promote a plant-based diet. 
And you address this in your Nourishing Fats book as well, a a few times, a few different places. And believe me, I'm not against plants. Uh, If people saw how we ate in our house, we have two or three vegetables with every meal, but those vegetables are swimming in butter. Uh, To me, the whole purpose of vegetables is to put butter on them. (laughs) It's a great Well, and Sally, you, and I believe you mentioned this in the book, you absorb those vitamins from those vegetables if you put butter on them, right? Much better, exactly. And we eat grains, we eat potatoes, we eat carbs. We have a well-rounded diet. I'm not saying that you should go in the other extreme and just eat meat. Uh, We need all of these foods, but the meat and the fats are a very important part of our diet. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, Sally, our show is reaching its close. I want to take a minute to let you know how grateful we are that you accepted our invitation to join us today. Thank you. Well, I enjoyed it. And and thank you for telling people about the conference. We'd love to see your listeners (laughs) at our upcoming conference. Yeah, well, we'll be there and I'm sure we'll have many listeners too. And I hope everyone listening goes out and gets a copy of your fascinating new book, Nourishing Fats, Why We Need Animal Fats for Health and Happiness. As Sally said, it's in bookstores, it's online. Thank you everyone for listening. Remember that eating real food is life changing and I hope everyone has a healthy day. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please share your favorite episodes with a friend or leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Product statements have not been evaluated by the FDA.